0: So you ready for the word tonight? You know, some of you don't know me real well. Some of you know me, you probably think too well. But, you know, I I like to goof off. I mess with people all the time. I'm always clowning around, you know. So the reason I'm saying this is because there was a question that came to me. or Not a question, but a conversation I had actually with my son. My son is Micah. One of us up here this morning. Some of you didn't know that. But anyway, we were talking after church and... And uh, he he did tell me I will not be able to see you this week, you know. So, but that's that's what goes on in my house. Uh, my my wife is abused because I give her such a bad time. Just so you know, to clarify something, you know, it, somebody had brought it up to him, wanted to know if me and him ever had a good word for each other because we it's constant between us, you know. We have that type of relationship. There's a great respect from my kids. But I also respect my kids, you know, at the same time. Uh, but we, we just have a good time. And, and I, I have the greatest respect, and, and I honor my children. My, my kids are just awesome. My wife, there are no words. She's amazing. And so somebody asked me today, or told me earlier, said, I didn't even know you had kids. I've got three kids. I've got four grandkids, and I have two more coming, and one in two weeks. So we're just multiplying you know, we're working on a baseball team here, so just, you know, but I just wanted to kind of throw that out there, kind of, for you folks that don't know me that well, um, and Kath, you know, sometimes, you know, we're not that big a church, but, you know, this is what I've noticed a lot of, is that even though we're, there's not that many people, we get spread out, and these folks over here don't know who these folks are over here, and, and so even though I make a you know, the rounds, to come over and shake somebody's hand. Just because I shake their hand, they still don't know who I am, you know. Uh, For the longest time, me and Kath were uh, Micah and Carissa's parents. That was it. They didn't even know who we were. They just knew who they were. And then it got to where that is Kathy's husband, you know. or There for a long time, I worked so many hours, they didn't even know Kathy was married. They thought she was a single mom, you know. So that kind of stuff goes on, but just... So everybody knows, you know, I'm very proud of my family, and 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 I know Doug this morning, you know, uh, he he had a lot of brownie points going on today, <laughs> and, uh, so I understand that, and I just want to I just want to say that again, you know, that I love my my kids to death, my wife, I, there's no words for her, she is an amazing uh, amazing woman, and I am so thankful, and I think in a class here a few weeks ago, I made the statement. Uh, The question was, what is your gift from God? And I made the statement, my wife, and I truly believe that because Kathy is a gift from God to me. And I have always believed that, and I will believe that until the day I'm gone. And I'm just thankful for her. But tonight, I want to get into the word, uh, something that we all deal with. Um, And something that was brought up in our class actually about three weeks ago, I've missed a couple of, of Wednesdays. I had to work one night, and then I, I've had this virus thing going on. But anyway, this one night we were talking, and and the question uh, or the conversation in there was uh, that people are are so easily deceived, and how, and also the Pastor had brought it up also about our the worldly wisdom. We should see it through biblical wisdom because worldly wisdom really heading off out into left field right now. And and if you just think about it, how easily we are entrapped into believing and thinking as the world does. Even though we are Christians, even though we're Christians, we still get caught up in that same flow. You step out into the, the, uh, the rapids, into the current, and it takes you with you. and And that's what happens. If you just look at the church world today. So many churches, so many different denominations are starting to sway towards what our our society is accepting and it is so far from biblical truth. They are so deceived by the lies of the enemy. So tonight, that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about deception to compromise. And I hope I can bring this out tonight uh, to where... It it really touches home with you because the church in a whole was not deceived unless it started with an individual, individual being me and you. So somebody was deceived to be able to begin to spread that seed and it begin to grow. And that happens right here in this house, in your home. It can happen to you. Uh, Doug had mentioned a few weeks ago in our class how that when you know he's teaching the class and he knew. That as soon as I'm done with the class, I'm going to leave, and the enemy's going to beat me up because, oh, you said this wrong or 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 you know you didn't do this right, we deal with that i'm I'm dealing with it right now, you know because that's what the enemy does. he does not want us to prosper in a sense as Christians, so anything that he can do to create confusion or pull us down or draw us back or or keep us uptight, that's what he wants to do. So I want to talk a little bit tonight about deception to compromise. And let's see what we can do with this, and just be praying with me. I never carry a a clock, but my wife usually is the one that lets me know, but she's not here, so I'm going to set this thing for you. And I set it for 35 minutes, and it's already at 34.59, so you've already gained a second. So we're going to start... And we'll see how, if I turn it off and lay it back here, you know you're in trouble. So, all right. And I just want to say something to a lot of you folks that are under my age, <laughs> that, uh, that are newer to the church within the last two or three years. You know, I, I usually sit over here and just a year or so ago, I was part of our, our uh, ushers and, and, and I was actually uh, on the security. I was the head of the security for a while. So I'm very observant, and so if you always see me turning around and looking, it's because that's what I do. I'm I'm looking. I'm paying attention. My—that's what I'm. I'm that way. I want to know everything that's happening, you know, Uh, and it's in your best interest. I just want to say to all you folks that are that are newer to Christ Point, you know, there's couples here, you know, there's single ladies, and I just want to say how awesome it is because in my observations of watching you guys it thrills me to see you guys worshiping the Lord I I just I love it and I and I see that and it it actually sparks something in me and it makes me feel good to know that we've got people in a younger generation (laughs) I remember one day I didn't have to say that but in a younger generation that really loved God you know and I'm just, I'm so thankful for you, and I, I just appreciate it. I don't want you to know I appreciate your love for the Lord this evening. So anyway, so with what went on with, you know, the class and, and pastor, you know, and his uh, talking about the wisdom of the world and how we need to look at it through the wisdom of, of, the, of the Bible and, and through the Word, I wanted to take us back to the first count of deception in Genesis. Let's go back to chapter 3. In Genesis, and let's look at that. Hang on just a minute. Let's go back to chapter 2, chapter 2, verse 17. But of the tree, now this is God speaking to to Adam and Eve, and, and he has placed them in the center of the garden, and he's given them direction. Direction is, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat it, you shall surely die. I want you to look at that and really pay attention to what it says. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. So just keep that that scripture in your mind, and if you need to, keep your finger in in that uh, part of your Bible because we're going to reference back to that in a minute. Uh, So chapter 3 and verse 1, let's go there and let's read 1 through 5. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Verse 2. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. And then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of Of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. So, let's look at this for a moment. First of all, Satan, he didn't come out boldly to Eve and say, you know, God is flat out wrong. He didn't do that. Hang on a second. So, who is this guy, Satan? Let's look at him for a minute. Because, really, if we go back in time a little further, Satan was the one that was deceived. He was deceived in himself. Satan got all caught up in himself. So the deception, it began in his mind. Uh, he was described as a beautiful angel, the highest of angels, an anointed cherub. And he got all caught up in who he was. He, he was not no longer looking at the creator, he was looking at the creation. He, he was so stuck on himself that he began to think, I should be in his place. I don't belong where I'm at. What he's doing in, in, in his actions are, are not even relevant for where we are in this time. So as, as this is going on, he's beginning to manipulate his own mind to the point of God seeing it. He's saying, that's enough. Goes him out of heaven. Okay. One of the reasons we deal with what we deal with today. So, Satan now is out of heaven because he's not content in his position. His pride took a hold of his thinking. His thoughts were inward. He took his eyes off of God, and he deceived himself. So his thinking of, I belong in God's place, put him in a position to be cast out of heaven. So Satan is a deceiver, and he is very cunning. So what do those two words mean? Deception is the act of someone to accept as true or valid But it is false or invalid. So when we are deceived, we are accepting something that we think is true or valid, but it's not. But we are accepting that because that's the way it's being portrayed to us. Cunning cunning implies a shrewd or often uh, instinctive skill of concealing or disguising the real purpose of an action. So he's very deceitful, He's very cunning in the way that he comes about doing things. So this is who this guy is. So let's go back to the garden a minute. Let's go back to what happened here. Satan, he did not begin by saying, listen, Eve, God is flat out wrong. He didn't do that. But what he did do was he planted a suggestion into a question and, and that's how he presented it to her. Instead of being bold to her, he turned it around and he began to make it look like a question to create a conversation so he would, she would interact with him. How many are guilty of that? How many of us are guilty in the fact that when the enemy begins to talk to our mind and try to defeat us, all of a sudden we have this conversation and the conversation is going down, spiraling down, because we're on the sidelines, just as Pastor was talking this morning. And I, I was just thinking, you know, when the, when the worship team was singing Oceans this morning, and, and he began to minister on the sideline, and, and then I'm, I'm looking at this sermon, I'm like, wow, how this all fits together for this day. And I really believe there's people, including myself, that needed to hear Everything that happened today. Everything. So as as this is happening, he has suggested to her, he planted a suggestion in the form of a question. So, is it really true, that's the question that he asked, is it really true that God said that you couldn't eat from the tree of the garden? What he was really saying is, let's talk about it. Let's talk about this. So in verse 2, Eve Counters, she counters and adds in this verse. So look at verse 2. And I'm going to have you go back to chapter 2 and verse 17 just a minute. But verse 2, the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. Go to three. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, Ye shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it. Nor shall you touch it. Go back to chapter 2 and 17. This is God speaking, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. I don't see nothing in there about I can't touch it. I don't see that in there anywhere. So what did Eve do? Eve added to what God had said. Isn't that typical? Isn't that typical? The deceiver's already working. He's already got her manipulating her own thoughts, playing with it, because once he she begins to make that staten, statement, I can't even touch it. Now God's at a distance because there's no the relationship is being broken because God was a very relational very relational with them, but at this time now because of that statement, He is now a controlling God. Don't even touch that. So that's the way the enemy was bringing this to her. Don't touch that. And that's the kind of feeling that he was trying to get her to accept that God is this great big brutal man that you can't do this. And I, but all the time, it's all a, a deceiving thought in a form of a question. And she's fallen into this by making that statement back to him. Now, that is, that is a theory, what I'm telling you. It's a theory because some believe that she made that statement just by in in the in meaning of we, we are not to get close to it, but you could look at it either way. So when the enemy gets, to, gets a hold of that, he's trying to put God at a distance from us. All right, so if I don't move on, we'll never get on tonight. So in verses four and five, Satan, he, he says, you know, uh, he tries to reinterpret what's, what's being said here, making light uh, of, of what's being said. And, he, you know, you won't die. You're not going to die. Then he turns around and he and he brings enticement into the conversation. You'll be as he is. You're not going to die, but you're going to be like God. Isn't that awesome? I mean, that's like you know me coming over here and sitting down next to Bob, you know, and and we're just talking away. Man, Bob, you're going to be just like God. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, that's gonna, you're going to be right there with him. Isn't that that's just great? You know. That's all you got to do is eat of that, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's, that's the way he messes with you. That's the kind of deception it gets us. It's that deceiving spirit begins to mess with our head, and it and it if it if it gets into the head, and it begins to move down into the heart. That's where we start to lose ground. We start to spiral down. Isn't that true, Doug? So okay, so um, so Satan would he he's, he would exaggerate those words don't touch it bringing sense of distance between him and God so satan will tempt you by <coughs> excuse me satan will tempt you by getting you to question God's authority he will do just what i said he'll sit and have that conversation with you and try to pull you away as far as your relationship he'll try to separate you let me, let me bring this into a household just for a second, okay? And the reason I'm going to do this, I, I know about four married couples right now that are really struggling. Some situations going on that aren't good. Friends of ours. So let me just say this. Gentlemen, when you're at work, especially if you work in an office, and there are women coming in and out, or you have secretaries or whatever, how easy it is for them when they walk in Because I just seen my wife this morning, she first climbed out of the bed and trying to find a cup of coffee and, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, that kind of thing. You know, and her hair's a mess and my hair's never a mess, guys. (laughs) Her hair's a mess and, and, you know, she don't look the greatest or whatever to you, but you walk in the job, the secretary's already, you know, got all decked out and she's at work and so it catches your eye. It catches your eye because of the deception of the enemy. Because the eye is a direct link to the brain, which is a direct link to your heart, and he begins to mess with your thoughts. I'll tell you, you know, there's, let me me share something. I don't know if I'm ever going to get through this, but let me share something with you. See, me and Catherine married 31 years, so about 36, 37 years ago I went through a divorce. And it was not a good thing. A lot of people have done it, had to go through that. It's bad. It's bad for, you know, the husbands, bad for the wives. It's very bad for the kids. It's a mess. But I went through a divorce, okay? And it was a very hard time in my life. I was a youth pastor at the time. Things happened. But anyway, so when I went through this divorce, I remember, and I'm, I'm sharing this with you because some of you need to hear this. I remember I would leave work every day and I'd go straight to the church. I spent hours and hours on the altar. I would fall asleep on the altar praying, seeking God. A lot of things were happening. The enemy is really messing with my life. But I knew the only answer to life, and that's all I could hear, my only answer to life, my only hope was in God. So I spent hours and hours and hours on, on the altar before him. And I remember one day as I'm praying, as I'm praying, God says, you don't want what you had, like, Well, you want what I'm going to give you. I didn't understand that because I definitely didn't believe in divorce. I, I'm like, no way, you know. So I'm thinking this is going a whole different direction, okay? But anyway, so my ex-wife, she's going her own way. God's not going to force us to do anything that we don't want to do. But I had that in my mind. And while I'm on that altar praying, I've seen, seen this vision. I seen me, I had my wife, I didn't know what she looked like, but she's standing there. I had my girl, the oldest daughter, and I had a boy. So, time goes on, the marriage is not going to go back together, and I meet Kathy. Well, before I met Kathy, I had a list. And I always tell her, I need to find that list, you know. But I had this list of five things that I wrote, and I said, got it. This is what I want to see in my wife. Number 1 on that list was I want a woman that loves you beyond anything. And she does. Beyond anything. Number 1. I can't remember the other four, but I definitely remember that one. That's what I always tell her. There's I know I'm missing something here. But so anyway, so I meet Kathy And when me and Kath get married, I told you, I believe this, I knew it then and I know it now. She was a gift from God to me. When the enemy is trying to destroy your life, God is going to bring it back together. Do not turn your back. Let him do what he needs to do. Just trust him and keep your eyes on him. Do not allow the enemy to to rob Your victory. That's what's happening right here in Eve's life. That's what happened to Adam. That's why we deal with what we deal with, because their lives were robbed from them because they listened to the deception of the enemy. All I had to stand on was, you want what I'm going to give you. And I can tell you this, I thought my oldest daughter was the one standing there, but it was my next daughter and then my son. I knew the order of my kids. Way back when, before I ever met Kathy. So, you know, you can't tell me God don't talk to us. So anyway, let's move on. I only got 17 more minutes to go. Okay, so, I'm only on page two. All right, so he he messed with her head. He, he's, he's, uh, he, he is he's being deceitful. And he, and he does this in a very subtle way. You know, one method is that he, ref- that he, uh, he does it in, su- in, s- in several subtle ways. And one method is that he refers to God as Elohim. Now, what, what does that mean? That, that means that, I can't pronounce it right, but e- Elohim, uh, which emphasizes that the power of God as a creator. Satan, he acknowledges that. But what he's doing here, he's avoiding the personal name of Yahweh. So that he is still putting this, this thought into her mind that the enemy, or, or that, that God is out here. He is all-powerful. He is the creator. He is, you know, don't touch that, that kind of God. So he's, the enemy's trying to portray this to Eve, and he's trying at the same time not to, to put any emphasis on He is Yahweh. He is a personal God and He loves you and He wants that relationship with you. So He's trying to hide that from her. So, in in doing this, uh, Eve's thinking is becoming blurred and and distorted. So, you know, and God has said, from any of the trees, tell her, any of the trees you can eat freely. But in, in Eve's conversation, she admits the word any and freely. And in her reply, she adds, Don't touch this or touch it, you know. So the whole conversation now has become distorted. The whole sentence, the whole thinking of Eve has been become distorted in her mind because now she's been pulled away to a point of the relational God to the all powerful God. And so she is at a distance, you know, and it's the same way. I don't know why I keep going back to this, but same way with with, you know, our relationships with each other. You know, when, you, when there is an argument or something like that in the house, you're like this. You want to push them away because we don't want to deal with this right now. But the thing is, the situation is, is you cannot solve or resolve anything at a distance. You cannot get clarification if you cannot hear God. And you cannot hear God if you're leaving him or walking away. If you're at a distance from him, how can you hear him? If you're in the middle of a situation, in the middle of, uh, of a roar, and everything's loud, you know, the music's loud, you know, and, and everything's happening around you, how can you hear anybody unless you get close enough to them that they can talk to you? It is the same way with God. Whenever this was happening, the deception was happening, and, and now Eve is being deceived, She is beginning to pull away and the voice that she was hearing she is no longer being able to hear and now there's distance between her and God and the enemy has a foothold into her mind and now he's beginning to work onto her heart and the deception is now being conceived into her heart to rip her of who she is. And he's enjoying what he's doing and she don't realize it. And we don't either. Sometimes it's too late before we realize it. Sometimes we're at the bottom before we realize it, before we see what has happened. Just as Doug was talking about David this morning, how far he went before he realized what he had done. And he had to have somebody bring it up to him because he was so caught up in the situation. Okay? So, the deception is now going into conception. And that conception leads to compromise. So, in the, in the last hundred years, things have changed since 1917, 1918. In the, in, you know, in the world, literacy rate has went up. The ta- travel time from across the country to one side to the other has, has shortened tra- dramatically. Average price of a home has risen dramatically. The first hamburger has changed. Car prices have went up. You know Coca-Cola has changed. Wages have went up. Supermarkets have changed. The list goes on and on. Things have changed over the time, but the fundamental principles of a strong foundation are still the same. Remember what I said earlier about how society has has tried to dismiss what you know the Word of God and what Christians uh, believe in. Society is pushing you know God out of everything. But the I read I read this the other day where they were talking about how. The, the Word of God is not rele- relevant for today's world, but it goes right back to what I just said, the fundamental principles of a strong foundation never change. If we lose the foundation of the Word of God and we have nothing to stand on, then what else do we have? If we build a home that has a lousy foundation, it's not going to stand. But if it has a good foundation, it's going to be a good home. But if we cut corners and we compromise on what we're doing, it's not going to happen. It's going to fall apart. If we cut corners in our life for God, in our, our walk with Christ, if we begin to cut corners and we compromise, we allow the deception of the enemy to take hold and deceive us from what we've been taught throughout our lives, how are we going to stand? There's no foundation. Uh, Dave and myself here, here just it's been a couple years ago, but we have talked about how, how the, uh, the, the, the church is so illiterate to what the Word of God teaches the simple fundamentals and, and the simple stories of the Word of God. Who's Samson? And, you know, who's David? And, you know, and 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 just Adam and Eve, the simple teachings of the Word of God have been pulled out of the church because we don't need to hear it or people don't read the Word or whatever. When when I was a kid, and even when my kids were kids, but, you know, Kath would, would read the Word storybooks to them. But when I was a kid, I remember my mom would sit me down beside her and she would teach out of a child's storybook, all the stories in the Bible. And my mom was, you know, you're doing this. And so at the end, we had a test. And I'm like, oh my goodness, you know, but simple test. But anyway, you know, for me, it was too much. But that, I mean, I learned those those simple stories of the word of God as a child. And and so many adults today don't even know those simple stories of the Bible that have so much foundation, and roots to them to help us do what we deal with today. And this is one of them. So let me move on. So we all have our principles that we live by. Some are, are negotiable, but are, there are those that should never be touched. Whenever Christians compromise their godly principles, they are looking at total collapse. With deception begins conception. accepting Accepting as the truth what is false. Remember what I said earlier? So Acceptance, I mean deception begins with con- with conception I mean conception begins with deception, so that is the acceptance of, of accepting truth as truth, something that is false. The enemy does that to us we we do it gets in our head and we begin to accept the false the the false teachings and sayings and the things that he brings about the things that are in the world we begin it makes sense, you know. If you don't believe me, go on the internet and begin to read some of the stuff people say, you know, and and you're reading, you're like, hey, that makes sense. Of course it's going to make sense because that's what the enemy wants to happen. He wants it to make sense. But turn around and grab the word of God and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, it don't make no sense because here's the foundation that I live by that has changed my life and has changed millions of people's lives. You know what I read also was that our country is on a decline in Christianity, but if you go outside of America and you get into some of the other countries, they are on an incline. If you go into South America, the, the, uh, the um, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, evangelical, evangelical, how do you say that word? Somebody say that. Evangelical, thank you. The evangelical teaching down there and the movement of the Holy Spirit is happening tremendously. So there is revival happening around us. But America is so stubborn to what's going on right now, but we will get our heads together and we will get it back in gear. But it's it's one of those things where we as a church have got to not allow the enemy to deceive us into believing the lies that he's trying to tell us. So, now... So the truth today's society, you know like I said, is, is trying to teach us that the, that the word is not relevant for today. but the, the truth is that the fundamental foundation of the word is more relevant today than it has ever been. So in this, this foundation that, that we have was written millennials ago, millenniums ago and it's withstood so many different uh, woes in the world and it's still here. it is still strong and, and that's what we base our lives on. Amen. So the blueprints uh, that were written to give us the exact details on how to build our lives so we can live a prosperous life are right before us in the Word of God. It's right here. And so many of us are, you know, what's the old saying? There's more dust on the Word than there is on our table because we never pick them up. And then we wonder why we don't know how to deal with different things. You know, in our lives, we don't understand, you know, why I don't have no strength, why I can't seem to overcome, why things... You know, I am a mental wreck. Why did I deal with what I deal with every day? You know, and, and the answers are right here. Answers to everything in our lives. Just like I said, I spent hours and hours on, on an altar because of what was going in my going on in my life, because all I knew in my life was the only only hope I have is in the Word of God and Jesus Christ. This, I was in dire need. The problem is with us sometimes when we're in the middle of those tough situations in our life, that's when we're crying out to God, but then we forget who He is whenever things are going smooth. That's when we need Him the most because that's when the deceiver comes in. He ain't going to mess with Him when you're already down. Leave Him alone. He's, he's going to crash and burn here. But when we begin to relax and it's all good, then He starts messing with our head. Amen? i got six minutes to do three pages. So, let's, let's jump to another guy here. Let's go to the story of Solomon. And, and the, the story of Solomon is the story of compromise. Because what happened here in, in, uh, with Solomon is that God warned him against an allegiance, an alliance with Egypt. But he bypassed the Lord's instruction. He went and bought horses. He found himself agreeing to an alliance with Egypt and marrying the Pharaoh's daughter. It wasn't long before Solomon took more wives who worship pagan gods, and they were told, the Israelites were told, to stay away from, from those of people because of that, because they worship those gods. Just keep them away. Don't, don't mingle with them. Stay away from them. And Solomon went totally against what God told him to do, not to do, and, and he ended up in a situation. So he takes on all these wives, and because of what he did, then he began to get mixed up in this pagan religion, and even though we still love God and talk to God, this should be talking to every one of us. Even though we love God and we're talking to God, we're still over here mingling around with the world, playing around with the world, dealing with things of the world. But I love you, God. I do. I love you, God. But I'm still over here messing around with the things of the world. And then we wonder why we, are, we succumb to so many uh, uh, problems that are around us. So here's old Solomon and... And and he's got all these wives, a thousand of them, is what the word says. And I won't go there, but you know. Uh, so you know, I told you I like goof off. So I would tell my wife, ah, you know, a thousand wives, well, that wouldn't be bad. You know, get them all working, I can retire. I mean, what's the big deal? You know, but so. But anyway, he's in a bad situation here because he's not listening to God. You no know, all you women can throw a book at me later. So so if you if you go to to First Kings eleven and four. You'll see where that scripture it talks about what Solomon did. Can you throw that up there for me Jeremy? 1 Kings 11 and 4. For it was so when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not loyal to the Lord, his God, and was the heart as was the heart of his father David. Because he didn't listen. He was not obedient. Okay? Solomon's failure was due to the lack of keeping his successfulness in the right perspective to God. It was actually more of a slide than a fall. You hear what I just said? It was more of a slide than it was a fall because it didn't happen all at once. That's exactly what was happening with Eve. The same thing. The enemy was talking to Eve. He's messing with her head, gets her thinking a different way, you know, and, and he begins to get her thinking that, hey, I, you can eat of this tree, you know, God don't care. And then, you know, and then put God at a distance, you know, making her think that he's this, this big brutal guy, you know, he's not a relational God, you know, but now you got Solomon, same thing's happening here. It's it's a slow fade. Isn't there a song called that a slow fade? It's a slow fade. So it's a gradual thing. How the enemy worms his way in, begins to rob us of who we are. Like leprosy. It eats eats at us. Eats away the flesh, eats away the spirit, takes what God has given us, destroys us from within. God made this possible, all the riches that he had. Everything that Solomon had, God gave him. Because his heart was after God. But because he began to walk away put God at a distance, he began to fail. In, in Ecclesiastes 4 and 13, it says this, book of Ecclesiastes is written by, by Solomon. It says, Better a poor, wise youth than an old and foolish king who will be admonished no more. I think he was speaking to himself. Think he was talking to himself here? The first step in compromise is the most dangerous. When you take one step in the wrong direction, in a wrong direction, a direction that you know is unwise, it can be led to ungodly actions and ultimately destruction. The nature of compromise is not usually a huge act of a disobedience, but more often it starts as a minor slip in your thinking or behavior towards God, always leading us to defeat. Amen. I'm going to make it. I kind of buzzed through this. It's okay. The consequences of compromise, lowering your standards, weakens your character, hurts your personal testimony, hinders your prayer life, Compromise will also corrupt your thinking. We must avoid compromise at at every, every way that we can. Make God's Word our standard of conduct. Never compromise our doctrine. Avoid compromise. Begin every day on our knees. Avoid compromise. Obey the initial promptings of the Holy Spirit. Whenever you draw close to compromise, the Holy Spirit will prompt us. And we need to listen to Him when he does so. goes back to what I said earlier about how can we hear him if we're not close to him. So if we're living a life of disobedience or we have distanced ourselves from God, and how can the Holy Spirit speak to us loud enough that we can hear him if he's over there? How many of us here, at times in our lives, when you're doing something, I'll tell you, you're doing something and and then you uh, you know you shouldn't, and you hear this little voice say, "You really don't want to do that. Don't do that." I'll tell you an instance. Several years back, I'm hunting antelope with my brother. He's coming across this valley, and there's a herd of antelope out there, and I'm I'm way up on this ridge, and I'm looking down at them, and so I'm having to crawl because all I'm in is grass, and I'm wide open. When you're up on a hillside, you know, it's skyline, you stand out like a sore thumb. So I'm trying to get up on these antelope and not be seen. So I'm crawling, you know, and and I get to the edge and, and I, I lay my gun on my backpack and, and I'm looking at these antelope and and I could feel my scope tickling my head right here. And I and I'm really in an awkward position. And I'm I'm telling myself, don't pull the trigger. Don't pull this trigger because it's right here. Don't pull the trigger. Well, my brother jumps the antelope and they take off, and in all the excitement, boom. I have no idea what I hit or if I hit anything, but I did hit myself, you know. So I stand up. I can't see. I'm bleeding. Everything's happening, you know. So, Long story short, I didn't listen. I didn't listen to my own self. Now that's me talking when I know better. That's common sense. I can feel the scope. Don't pull that trigger. You know how many times God has told me in situations in my life when the enemy is doing something or I'm going a direction I shouldn't go and he tells me don't pull the trigger? and I do it anyway? How many of us have done that? How many of us have done that? You know, this morning, they were singing that song, Oceans. Would you you mind singing that again? They were talking about how that, in that song it talks about our eyes are just above the water. And I I could just... I could just feel myself personally in that position. I just, if you remember, you folks that were here a few months back, Kath was up here, Pastor had me come up, and I was pretty broken. And I said, don't allow your circumstances, don't allow your career to dictate your life. Don't allow it to suck the life out of you. Approximately three years ago, Kath and myself both were on staff here. I was the care pastor that Dave Enzinger does now. We were very involved with ministry. You know, I'm an open book. I don't mind telling people what I go through. Because many of you are sitting in this crowd Dealing with the same things. But as time went on, I'm putting in 70, 80, 90, 100 hour weeks. I never seen my family. I was very seldom at church. I would come to the pastor and i said, say, Pastor, i got to step down from this. i got to pull away from that. I can't teach classes on Wednesday night because I can't be here. I was missing my classes, and I'm the teacher, but I can't be here. I couldn't be here for the holy huddle. I couldn't be here for ministry. And in the deception, the deception began. You're nobody. All you do in life is work. That's all you need to do. I'm a worker. I'm a workaholic. It don't bother me to put in a lot of hours. and It was used against me. I could say, yeah, it was my boss. The enemy used it against me. Satan used it against me to deceive my heart and my mind. And the day I stood here and I said, don't allow your career or your situation to dictate to you who you are or your life. And I said, I'm making changes. I made a very hard decision at 57 years old, I quit my job. I am a provider. Well, God is my ultimate provider. So, I had a company that I sent a resume to. Actually, I called them. I hadn't talked to these guys in years. And I said, hey, I know you're billing another facility. This is what I do. Are you guys interested in something like this? That was on a Wednesday. Friday morning, I get an email. The email said, Phil, we were just talking about this Wednesday. Before that, to back up, I had been praying. And I was looking at that company, and and I really believed at that time, God was telling me, don't do it yet. Don't do this. One reason was I was not in a mental state. I was very angry with the situation in my life. So there was one day I'm sitting in the office and just like click, call them now. So I called them on that Wednesday. I get the email on Friday and the email said, we just had a meeting about this Wednesday and our words were, we need a man like you. I'm now working for them. And I'm sitting at this interview with these gentlemen. They're not Christian men. But I let them know straight up. I'm a minister. I want to be in church. I have a family. They're number 1. This is going to this is the way it's going to be. It's going to be like this. I'm not going to compromise. And a man looked at me and, and I told him the whole story about how I had to walk away from all these areas of ministry and something that is a part of mine and Kath's lives. And here's a man that's not a Christian and he looks at me and he goes, You'll get that back. I'm like, Oh, wow. You know? And I come home and told Kath and she just tears up like I do, you know? Because it's something that we've been praying about because this. This situation, the Eve situation, the Solomon situation, the deception, the compromise—I compromised my ministry for a job. I allowed things to come between me and what God had for us. Now, does that mean that it slowed anything down? I was just talking to one of the pa- a pastor yesterday. And he goes, do you think Kathy would have ever stepped out to where she is now if you hadn't been in this situation? Because you the folks that don't know her, three years ago she would not have been up here ministering the Word. <laughs> she is so on fire. It's just amazing. I am, I am so excited and proud of her. I remember asking her, Kathy, won't you come up in my class? Sit next to me because I, I want you to debate the word with me. I want you to stir it up so people will get involved. Nah, I don't know. I don't. And she wouldn't do it. Now, it's like, hey, will you come up and sit up here with me? You know, the role has turned. But so hungry and so much boldness, something that she's prayed for for years. And, and for you folks that do know her and the ones that see her now, she's two different people from what she was five, six years ago. What God does. So today we've we've heard this song talking about situation we're overcome. Waters up to my eyes. We've heard a a sermon, a sermon about how that we're on the sideline. (laughs) A point on message. How we get caught up on the sidelines so easily sitting watching the game go by? And as we're sitting there, the deceiver begins to work on our hearts and minds and rob us of who we are, as not only as Christians, but of, as people. Situations in our lives can change us. Turn us into things that we never thought we would be, but God is the healer. God can fix all of that, and I can testify to that. I, you know, I, I got I could stand up here and and just testify to so many things. I was talking to somebody the other day, and they were talking about how that you know their their it was a, a marriage situation and talking about their husband and. And, and almost excusing him for his actions because of his childhood, and he's my age. I said, Time out. Time out. I understand. Everybody has a story, everybody has dealt with a lot of different things. And I came from a, a home that was bad, it was not a good situation. I, I told this person, I said, You know, I said, My dad finally became a Christian in his latter years, but I never knew that man. I lived here. He was there. He went on, him and my, my, my mom, both were. they were killed by a drunk driver. So I never knew that man. But this is what I told her. And I don't know why I'm telling you folks this tonight, but this is what I told her. Because my mother would not compromise. And my dad was a hard guy. There were was, was some things went on in our house that was not good. But my mother would not compromise. And I remember walking in the house and when I'd open the door, I could hear her in the back room speaking in tongues and praying over our home. And she endured a lot throughout the years. They were married for 60-something years. And, and she endured a lot. But her prayers were answered before they were taken from this world. And she's seen the man that she was praying for that God would make him to be her prayer was, I want my children saved. There's five of us kids. My oldest sister passed away a couple years ago. But every one of us are Christians. She was a Christian before she passed away. Because my mother would not compromise. You're here tonight in this service. It don't matter if there's 50 or if there's five. You're here. Somebody is here tonight that needed to hear this. That needed to hear that there is a God that cares about you. He cares about you. He is not a distant God. He is not a God that you cannot touch or get to. He sees your heart. He sees your mind. He knows the hurt. He knows the situations. He knows that you are at the point that you can just See above the water. I have failed God in so many areas of my life, but He has never once failed me. and He will not fail you. If you're here tonight and, and, and you're a married couple and, and you guys are having trouble, the fix is right here. The fix is at the altar. The fix is at God's feet. If you're an individual that you're dealing with problems in your life and you don't know what to do no more and the water is at your eyes, the fix is right here. You know, I I don't consider myself any elaborate type of preacher, but I do consider myself this. I will give you my heart. I will give you my heart. That's something God changed me years ago. There was a time in my life I was so hard. I was so hard, I did not even care about people. I could care less about people. You were meaningless to me. But God changed me. And the compassion and the love that He's given me for people is beyond my imagination. I'm not the same guy I was. You're not the same person you were. Why? Because of the fundamental foundation of the Word of God that lives within us. And that's where our strength comes from. I'm giving you my heart tonight. Don't allow the enemy to deceive you into believing you are not what he has made you to be. That you do not have what he has offered you. You may not see it right now, but it is coming. I did not know Kathy was going to be in my life. I had no idea. It was five years. Five years. Seemed like a lifetime to me. I had to walk away from my daughter. Almost destroyed me mentally and physically. But I knew that my hope was in Him. That's all I knew. And then I met this lady who was very young at the time. But what I seen in her, my mom couldn't figure it out. What do you see in her? Because she was, she's eight years younger than me and she was 17 years old. And, you know, I'm like, what do I see in her? I see a woman that loves God. I see a woman that loves God to age... I didn't even look at the age. I just seen a woman that loved God. I will tell you this, I didn't ask her out till I asked her dad first. I just let you know that. But, so, as they sing this tonight, there's some broken hearts here tonight. There's some people that are sinking. There's some people that have compromised. And I would ask you to come forward. And I uh, would Prayer team's going to come. We're going to pray with you tonight. Because God is our strength. The Word is our foundation. The enemy is a liar. And the truth is found in him. Amen. Go ahead. Have to say nothing. God sees the whole situation. I knew this was for you. I knew this was for you. You should just keep your eyes on Him. The hope is in Him. Don't stop worshiping.